0: In the name of one God, Creator, Sustainer, and Redeemer. Why is it that when you get your report card, your eye scans it fast and stops on the lowest grade or the negative comments? needs to participate more in class, or talks too much. That's the one I always got. Why is it that when our supervisor or parent or spouse or boss gives us some constructive criticism, it's hard to hear the constructive part We want to focus on the critical part. In my erstwhile acting days, after opening night, when the reviews came in, there could be seven good reviews, but I carried the pain of the one bad review for days. Why do we give the negative so much power? Why do we hold on to what is painful? Why does the news media thrive on bad news when really there is good news all around us? This is not to diminish the gravity of some things that are happening in the world right now, but I think we're conditioned, we're trained to be on the lookout for the negative because then we just might somehow protect ourselves from it. We're fearful that bad things will hurt us, so we hold on to them when they do, like a kind of shield. We study them. We cling to them as a kind of bizarre good luck charm. Maybe the next time they won't hurt us so much. Well, there's a lot to be afraid of these days. When you combine the attacks in Paris and San Bernardino, the largest refugee crisis since World War II, El Nino, the erratic global stock market, and the fear mongering of a presidential campaign, you get presented with a lot of opportunities to fear but we don't have to buy into them all. As human beings, we were designed to be wary of those natural forces that have the power to destroy us. Our reptilian brain, the oldest part of the brain, is wired for survival. The fight-flight response is built into our neural pathways. It's a necessary and helpful part of our human development. If you're being chased by a tiger, if the building is on fire, we need the fear response to force us to take action. But it's not the only part of our brain, nor the only set of responses we have to choose from. As the human species evolved, we developed fine motor skills, reasoned thinking, and the ability to analyze We developed the amygdala and the limbic system where the brain and the heart are connected. We have a choice about how much power to give our fears, and we can actually create new neural pathways so the fearful and the negative have less of a pull on us. What if we trained ourselves to be on the lookout for the good What if we were to practice finding grace, to focus on blessings, to listen for love in the middle of the darkness? Several years ago, I heard part of an NPR interview between Diane Reem and the author Colum McCann. He's since published another book, but at the time he was talking about his book called Let the Whole World Spin. Maybe some of you have read it. The backdrop of the book is September 11, 2001. In the interview, he said that even in the middle of horrible tragedy, there were moments of grace and impossible tenderness on that day if only we choose to focus on them. McCann felt it was his responsibility and calling as a writer to point us towards those moments of grace and tenderness so that we're not left with only darkness and despair. And then he said something so off the cuff and so quickly, I almost missed it. He said, everything good needs to be repeated again and again. But evil only needs to happen once. The truth and the simplicity of that observation stopped me in my tracks. Everything good needs to be repeated over and over again. But evil only needs to happen once. I couldn't help but think of that as I read God's love letter to the people of Israel in our lesson from the prophet Isaiah this morning. Listen again. In seven verses, God says, Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I will be with you. You will not be burned. You will not be overwhelmed. I am your Lord. You are precious in my sight. I love you. I am with you. I will gather you. Bring my sons and daughters from the end of the earth. This repetition of commitment and love was intended for a people that were nearly destroyed by Babylon and spread out in captivity and exile, this repetition of love and commitment to a people who could no longer believe that they were God's chosen people. Can you imagine how this must have sounded to them? How important it was to hear again and again, do not fear, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I will be with you. You will not be burned or overwhelmed. I am your Lord. You are precious in my sight. I love you. I am with you. I will gather you. Bring my sons and daughters from the end of the earth. How does it sound to you? McCann is right. In this frightening and uncertain world, everything good needs to be repeated again and again. We're about to baptize a precious baby boy. And as a part of the liturgy of baptism, we will reaffirm our own baptismal vows because everything good must be repeated again and again we will relive our adoption into the body of Christ, acknowledging the incredible privilege and responsibility that goes along with that adoption. When Jesus is baptized, he is told by God, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. That also is God's message. For baby Kellen. That is the message that God has for each of us. What does it mean to be beloved by God? It means that you are loved no matter what, it means you are loved as you are right this minute. And it means you have to know yourself in a different way. It means that our own fear and self-doubt and jealousy and shame and unworthiness, all that negative self-talk that we are so good at, it cannot occupy the same amount of space inside of us if we are beloved by God. Accepting God's love for you, God's belief that you are uniquely special, you, you, you are uniquely special and necessary for God's work to happen in the world means we go out there and we operate differently. It takes courage to be so loved, be brave. The crazy, scary world doesn't go away. But if we go into the world convinced and convicted by our belovedness, we don't need to hang on to the negative or the fearful as a protective device. Our belovedness by God allows us to love ourselves in a new and fearless way which, of course, allows us to love others in a new and fearless way. And if we do that, the world cannot stay the same. So it's our work, it's our charge in this new year to take God seriously. The question is, can you see and receive the love that is everywhere around you? And maybe more importantly, will you let that love in? When God whispers in your ear, you are my beloved, the word says it all. Be loved. Adoption into the body of Christ does not guarantee a pain free existence. Adoption into the body of Christ does not guarantee a world without hunger and loneliness and suffering and death and bigotry and xenophobia. But it does guarantee us grace in the middle of pain and light in the middle of darkness and a love that was there before you began and a love that never ends, no matter what. Soon we will make our way to Christ's table where everyone is welcome. We will open our hands and our mouths and our hearts to be nourished and transformed by that love that never ends because everything good needs to be repeated again and again. Amen.